My name is Ray Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Welcome to the Faith and Fishing Podcast, where every episode I'll bring you an interview with a member of the fishing community, and they'll be sharing their faith stories and fishing memories with you. I'm your host, Cam Steele. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm Cam. And, <laughs> and this is Robert. <laughs> yeah, as always, we got our, our new co-host in with us. Um, excited to, to have him in. And I thought for this episode, since we haven't really had <clears throat> an episode all about Robert, uh, we would we would really go in depth on getting him introduced to y'all <clears throat> so that y'all could uh, get to know who he is and uh, and get to know uh, maybe a little bit about me too. So um, before we do that, um, I don't have a ton of housekeeping stuff. Uh, Robert, you got any housekeeping stuff this time? No, no, not really. I'm good to go on that. Awesome. Well, uh, in that case, let's go ahead. Uh, let's let's hear some words from sponsors real quick, and then we will we will jump right into it. Sounds good. Save Your Outdoors gives me confidence that no matter what happens, what I take on the water is coming back home with me. With retrieval devices for fishing rods, bow fishing bows, action cams, and even one that can be attached to your other gear, they've got your whole arsenal covered. When one of these devices goes in a drink, it releases a float attached to your gear by 60 feet of line so you can get it back, and the pressure sensitive filter means that you don't have to worry about rain or dips in the water while landing a fish. At SaveYourOutdoors.com, that's S-A-V-U-R Outdoors.com, you can use promo code FNFP15 to save 15% and try them for yourself. Whether you're a Ned Rig vet or a finesse fishing noob like me, Jade's Jigs is your source for high quality finesse jigs that raise the bar by being lead free. Using a tin bismuth alloy not only makes Jade's Jigs eco-friendly, it also makes the jig lighter so you get the same profile with less weight for the fish to feel. Check out jadesjigs.com, that's J-A-D-E-S-J-I-G-S.com to see their full lineup of jigs, styles, and colors. And since you're a Faith and Fishing listener, you can save 10% on your order by using promo code FNF10 at checkout. Alright, so like I said, this time uh, we are going to get to know uh, Robert a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. Uh, we live pretty close to the drag strip, and, and every now and then we hear them going. And Usually they're going on Friday nights, but I guess tonight they've got some sort of race going on because they are going crazy over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Robert, go ahead. I know you've, you've given us like a brief introduction of who you are, but go ahead and tell us uh, the, the real lowdown on who sure. Robert Randolph is. Yeah, man. Uh, so... I'm originally from around uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, about 40 minutes outside of Nashville in uh, Clarksville and uh, grew up there, uh, went to school at Tennessee Tech uh, University and um, actually started working in the restaurant business, moved around quite a bit, um, working for O'Charlie's and worked for them for almost 20 years, um, ended up um, in Raleigh and uh, 
Uh, you know, we've lived in some pretty cool places, Memphis, uh, Louisville, uh, Kansas City, uh, Richmond, and then here. Uh, so we have lived in uh, Raleigh or Fuquay Arena for the past 13 years. And, uh, you know, good place to end up because there's there's some really good lakes that are close by um, as far as fishing wise. Uh, so growing up around uh, Clarksville, it's uh, about 35, 40 minutes from Land Between the Lakes, which is um, Barkley Lake and Kentucky Lake. So growing up, uh, bass fishing, that's where we would go. The Cumberland River, or the end of Lake Barkley, goes uh, as close to Clarksville, but to get to the actual lake part, you have to drive a little bit. Uh, but growing up, uh, my dad fished a whole lot. Uh, well, not a whole lot. He had a bass boat, uh, fished a lot before he started having kids. And then once we came along, the bass boat did more sitting than fishing, but we would get to take it out every once in a while. Uh, so those are the times I really look forward to when, uh, when we would get to take it out. Uh, so, uh, from there really, uh, you know, did some pond fishing, uh, stuff like that. And then, uh, really just got away from fishing, uh, through college and then starting working in the restaurant business. Uh, you know, we worked a ton of hours, so, you know, I picked up golf and, and golfed for a while. Um, but then once we moved to Raleigh, the kids started getting a little bit older, had a little bit more free time, uh, started getting back into it and, uh, got a, a bass boat and, uh, fished out of a bass boat for a little while and actually had kayaks to duck hunt out of. Um, so we were duck hunting out of, out of our kayaks just because we can get, uh, some places that, uh, boats can't go and out of laziness decided I didn't want to load the bass boat up one day and I just wanted to throw the, the duck hunting kayak in the back of the truck and, and go to a local pond and once we started catching fish out of the kayaks it wasn't too long after that I sold the bass boat and we I actually um, upgraded kayaks from the, uh, it was a sit-in, ascend um, H12 that we were fishing out of or duck hunting out of. And, you know, we had fished out of that for a little bit. But then once I decided we were going to just fish out of kayaks too, um, upgraded uh, to a, reg, you know, a fishing kayak that is more stable than that, more comfortable. Uh, so uh, did that maybe three years ago and then started fishing some local trail stuff and, you know, competing on the water. Uh, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I love just going out fun fishing too, but uh, I like, you know, going out there with a bunch of guys and, and, you know, and it's really not about even winning. It's more about the fellowship at the ramp before on the water. Um, and then afterwards, um, I enjoy that just as much as, you know, catching the bass and, and, uh, trying to place well in those tournaments, uh, traveling and going camping. Um, uh, you know, I really enjoy that aspect of it as well. Um, that's really, I mean, in a nutshell, um, not in the restaurant business anymore. Once we moved here, uh, to Raleigh, um, I got out of that about 10 years ago and then, uh, 
I own a, a lawn care landscaping business. So I cut grass most all day and listen to fishing podcasts. And <laughs> I used to listen to music, but I got into listening to podcasts. And so I really just listen to podcasts a whole lot of the day, cut grass and try to find some time to go hunting and fishing. And um, so that's the kind of the fishing side of it, work side of it. Um, Faith-wise, uh, grew up, uh, my grandfather was a, a Baptist preacher, uh, not a minister, because in the South there's a difference between a preacher and a minister, but he was definitely on the preacher side of it. Um, so, you know, I was always around church and my dad singing a gospel quartet. Uh, they would go around and sing at different churches. And that's actually how my mom and dad met is he was singing in the gospel quartet at my mom's church. And they met and started started dating and then ended up getting married. Um, so, you know, I was always around uh, church and we uh, uh, went to a smaller church when I was really young. And then once we got older, we we changed to a uh, church that was larger. And like a lot of people, when I went to college and, and a young adult, got a little bit away from it. And uh, being in the restaurant business, uh, Sundays was just one of, one of those days that you were going to work in the restaurant. Uh, it's one of the busier days. Um, but as we, you know, we started having kids, um, you know, we really, me and my wife both wanted to make sure we brought them up um, in the church and, and just having that connection to the community and um, other other people that believe what we believe was important to us and uh, ended up getting out of the restaurant business and um, <clears throat> started, you know, we, we church topped a little bit trying to figure out a, a good fit for us uh, when we moved to uh, Fuquay and ended up um, finding Triangle Community Church, uh, which is in Cary. And, uh, you know, we've been there for, you know, almost 11 or 12 years, something like that. Uh, uh, so we enjoy it. Uh, the kids um, all are really involved in the youth program. Uh, actually, my oldest son, who just left for college today, he is interning um, in the in the youth program and helping out the youth pastors. Um, so and the kids are up there, you know, once or twice a week for their um, youth programs. And it really is just a, uh, a good fit for us and probably, um, you know, had more to do with with my faith and me growing in my faith, being involved with that church. When the kids were small, me and my wife volunteered uh, for the school age Sunday school. So we we taught Sunday school usually about one Sunday or two Sundays a month, and they rotate the teachers out as a volunteer basis, uh, but rotate the Sunday school uh, teachers out in there. So uh, actually doing that and seeing the impact you can make on the smaller kids and introducing them to uh, to Jesus Christ and, and you know, really – helped me out and helped me grow in my faith probably more than anything uh, that I've done. So you're pretty familiar with that saying is how you, you help the youth, uh, you know, or youth pastor in the past as well. So, uh, you know, and then that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, 
you know, was still going to church and uh, still pretty involved in that. Um, help out in the cafe sometimes. And then as far as the fishing goes, uh, this year I did a few Hobie BOSs, uh, which I didn't really feel like I could compete on that level. Uh, but I wanted to try and see, and I wanted to go to a few of the tournaments uh, just to kind of see where I was at. And, uh, you know, I was right about where I was at, probably <laughs> middle to the lower part of the pack. Uh, but that's okay because uh, I wasn't looking – I wasn't going into it thinking I was going to, you know, cash a check on any of these, especially when, you know, the first one started selling out and you're 200 anglers. Uh, and a lot of those uh, guys and girls are doing that uh, on a more consistent basis than what I am. And, and they have some more time available to pre-fish and, and, and do stuff like that. So, Yeah, it was it's crazy how fast those things <laughs> sold out. Um, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not at a point where I can do that kind of traveling right now. Um, but... I, I did, you know, watch as other people tried and, and couldn't get in. And yeah, I mean, some of them, it was like, what, six or seven minutes that like after it was announced that, that it was already, already full. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I think starting out, the first one was at Toledo Bend and I think they, they had like 70 or 80 people signed up for it. And the, that one had been open for a while and then all of a sudden somebody posted i don't know if it was on kbn or it was on one of our local pages or maybe queen city somebody posted that hey like 30 more spots just sold out and i was i was ahead in my mind i was going to do that but i was going to kind of wait till it got closer to sign up for it. and by the time i saw that post and i looked at it there was like I don't know, 130 or 140 spots. And I went ahead and signed up for it. And like 10 minutes later, it was sold out. So it had already been open two weeks. And then just all of a sudden, people started signing up and it sold out. And then the next one, I want to say was Santee Cooper, maybe. Um, it was either Santee Cooper or it was one that I couldn't, couldn't go to. But the next one was one of the ones that was like 30 minutes. It was sold out. And then the one after that, it was... 15 minutes and uh so i did the toledo bend and did santee cooper and then the last one i got to do was the susquehanna which we were coming back from vacation and we were driving when that one opened up and i'm driving down or back up we were coming up i-95 and i looked at the clock and it was 1207 and i'm like oh gosh i was like the sign up for the BOS is today. So like I pulled off the next exit and my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got to sign up for this. It's going to sell out. And I pulled off and I pulled it up and it was sold out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe because usually I'll set an alarm on my phone. But because we had been on vacation all week, we didn't have any sales service and I didn't really think about any of that. And then we started driving home and I'm like, oh crap. But, uh, so anyway, at that point, I went ahead and got on the waiting list. And I think I was like started out like 30th on the waiting list. It ended up getting into it, but it was only like six days or seven days before that I found out that I was going to get into it. So I didn't really have a whole lot of pre-fishing on that one. And I just 
didn't have time to prepare for it right way. But it's I wanted to see the river. I wanted to catch some smallmouth out of it, um, you know, and we I accomplished that. Uh, but, and that's about it. But, <laughs> but it was fun. I had a good I had a good time anyway. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I I knew I knew a lot of your story, but I didn't know all of it. I didn't realize how similar our stories were in a, in a lot of ways, because, you know, my my grandpa was uh, a, a preacher too, he, <laughs> in the Methodist denomination um, in the mountains of North Carolina. And, you know, there was a time, I think, that he had five churches that he was serving at once right. because, because the churches that he was he was with um, were, you know, they were in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of North Carolina only had you know, just a handful of members and they only met once a month. Um, and then one church that he had only met every fifth Sunday. So he had five churches at once. Um so I'm uh, hearing that your your grandpa was a Baptist uh, preacher. Yeah, uh, that uh, yeah, and it was all they. Uh, so my my mom was uh, she has six brothers and sisters, and, and my dad had seven brothers and sisters, and so both big families, both grew up out in the country, like out in the country, like way out of the country. So the churches were relatively small as well. And uh, yeah, so very, very similar, uh, very similar for sure. Yeah, uh, I will say that my fishing journey is uh, is pretty different. I, uh, I'm i still not hooked on the, the competitive side of things. I, I enjoy it, um, but you know, I'm I, I, I enjoy you give me a micro like an ultra light rod and tell me to go micro fishing with a Tanago hook and catch a new species that I've never caught before. I'm going to be just as excited. Um, yeah. Like I know a lot of a few in particular, but a lot of people that we fish with, you give them an ultra light rod, say we're going after fish this big and they're going to be upset with you. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm okay with that too. So I, I like the competitive side. I grew up always playing sports and I think most people, you know, if you're competitive through that, man, I, I love to compete at anything I do. Um, but I also like, like the ultralight stuff, like some of the best days, especially when the kids were smaller, we'd go out and just, we'd go to Sharon Harrison, catch bluegill. I mean, you can catch them as many as, as many as you want. And uh, same thing with catfish out there. You know, if you want to put some cut bait on there, I mean, there's some, huge catfish and sharing hairs um but yeah i like that too and, and we do a little bit of uh offshore fishing as well uh got a buddy that's got a boat and we will go out three or four times a year with him and uh and do some offshore stuff too so i like i like all that i want to try to get into some more um inshore fishing down there uh for reds and and speckled trout uh i haven't done that out of a kayak, but that's on the horizon here shortly. Yeah, I did a little bit of that um, back whenever I lived a lot closer. Um, yeah, but I haven't I haven't done it since I moved out this way. But I need to go back and and do that every now and then. That would be that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I um, I kind of got my fishing start um, in, in Grandpa's Creek with a bamboo pole and uh like a cane pole oh yeah uh catching you know dace and chubs and 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in the summertime, whenever they're in like full on breeding colors, they're like bright red, just beautiful little fish. But they, um, uh, it was always funny. You know, we would, Grandma Steele baked, you know, her own sourdough bread. And that was, that was what they had in the house to, for sandwiches and stuff was sourdough bread. It was amazing. Still my favorite smell in the world is, is that fresh baked sweet sourdough bread. But grandpa always kept a loaf of like a loaf of like sunbeam white bread to take down at the creek to use for bait. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We had those little, little tiny bread balls put on the hook and we would catch uh, little minnows and crayfish and little salamanders and stuff all the time. But, um, yeah, similar, similar deal. There, there's, I did a whole lot of creek fishing growing up too. And, um, you know, my, my grandmother on my mom's side, she lived on about 50 acres with the creek that ran in front of her house. And, uh, same thing. I mean, that's all you had was, it was a cane pole when you went down there. And, uh, the one thing I do remember, and, and <laughs> this is, now thinking back on it, it's like pretty crazy because I'm pretty sure people don't do this anymore. But we used to catch all of our bait fish and minnows out of the creek and you would do it with two people and you'd get a bed sheet, put a bed sheet down in the bottom of the creek and stir up the water where it got cloudy and then pick the bed sheet up, scrape your minnows off uh, that you caught in the bed sheet. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> pretty ingenious ways to to get your get your bait fish to uh, get some bigger fish but yeah it's it's pretty cool uh to see how things have changed and to see kind of you know what we're doing now compared to when we were little kids and uh just try to got to figure out a way to make sure we get the kids now out there and doing doing those things and get them interested in the outdoors and fishing and um you know, hopefully that's, that's a little bit of my goal of, of what I'm doing is to try to get more people outdoors and um, off the phones and not just watching the fishing videos on YouTube, but actually getting out and doing it. Um, so. Absolutely. And let's, uh, we, we already talked about it on a, on a faith and fishing live show, but I know from our analytics that the faith and fishing live shows are typically the ones that don't do very well, don't get listened to very much. So, yeah. um, so if somebody missed that one, kind of let us know what outdoors to go is. Yeah. Yeah. The outdoors to go, um, uh, on YouTube, Instagram. Um, so basically kind of my thought process behind it was, uh, you know, kind of a mobile outdoors, um, there's some duck hunting videos on there. There's a lot of fishing videos on there. Um, uh, planning on putting some more hunting videos up there this fall. Um, uh, there's some tournament fishing videos on there, but kind of my goal on that is to just, you know, show every day, you know, trip, whether it's a hunting or a fishing trip and, and try to get people to, you know, be more engaged and kind of my goal is to challenge them to get out there and, and do that stuff as well. And not just, you know, be a participant through screen and computer um, is to actually, you know, challenge them to get out there and, and do stuff and bring a kid with them and teach them something, um, you know, and keep, keep this, you know, sport and sports that we love the hunting and fishing, just keep it growing because um, you know, it's, 
the numbers are are not getting bigger. Um, you know, so I want my grandkids to have the same chances and opportunities. And and you know, if the if the hunters and the and the fishermen and the anglers, you know, if that number goes down, our voices go down, and our our pull politically uh, to to help, you know, conserve conserve this land and and the game lands and stuff that we do have and the rivers and the lakes, you know, that also goes down as well. Uh, so, you know, it, it's very important that we keep bringing people into the hunting and fishing world. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess I should, um, I should, I should let the listeners know how we, how we ended up meeting. Um, it was, it was funny. I was, I don't remember what I, what, what post it was. Um, but I had done a post on social media about something and you commented down there that was like, if you're ever South of Raleigh and you want to go fishing, let me know. And I was like, are you kidding me? I live South of Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Yeah, so, I, think it was, I think it was the next weekend. We ended up going out and doing some fishing together. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're probably only like 15 minutes apart, something like that, yeah. which is kind of crazy because, you know, you don't think about when you're following people and you're, you're seeing, I mean, you can see there's, there's quite a few people, um, that are, you know, within 45 minutes to an hour, um, J two countries, Fayetteville, yeah. uh, country boy, Creek fishing. Uh, I mean, that dude, man, he comments and likes, I mean, there's can't be anybody in the fishing world that comments and likes as many posts as, uh, country boy creek fishing so yeah for real uh you know he's not for he's down in Fayetteville Paul Hills right in Holly Springs which is kind of 10 minutes the other way I'm kind of between you two guys uh, but another thing I had thought about too is we need to get a lot of these guys that, that that are doing the social media stuff that are within 45 minutes or so and get together and have a big cookout or something at one of these lakes around here because that would be that'd be pretty cool uh, you know, it's fun yeah. in that tournament setting, but it'd probably be even more fun to get some of these guys together and, uh, you know, shoot some pictures and, and a little bit of video and stuff and, and post some stuff up and, and have a good time. Man, that would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we went and we, we did some fishing that morning um, and it was, a, it was an interesting day of fishing um it's pretty tough day of fishing it was it was my first time uh it's still the only time i've been to that lake i've been meaning to go back just hadn't done it since i know there's pickerel in there now i want to i want to go back i used to love catching pickerel all the time and speaking of paul hills he's going to be mad at us for not saying jackfish but yeah <laughs> I, in the eastern part of the state they do call him jack yeah and whenever we moved there in my whenever i was in high school I ended up getting plugged in with this guy and that I went, uh, he rode my bus and we, uh, we had a few classes together. Um, we, uh, we went and fished together a few times. He, he called him Jack and I was so confused because, you know, I been studying fish since I was a, I was a little kid. Like Jack is a saltwater fish. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, chain pickerel, Esox Niger, um, the uh, yeah I I miss those things. They're they're fun to catch, uh, but um, yeah that was a it was a it was a fun lake. It was kind of like 
half like half like what you would expect from like a reservoir and then half like a mill pond so yeah um yeah it's pretty interesting I, that there's you know you i didn't catch any fish that day uh so well, we fished and fished and some days are like that some days you can go over there and catch five or six decent sized ones uh some days you know you some days i go over there and don't get a bite um uh, but then you know you can share what you ended up doing that day <laughs> I caught a uh, I caught a really big head with a piece of paper behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I caught a uh, it was twenty two and a half, uh, really long, skinny, uh, skinny bass. It it was had a mouth like an eight pounder, and it ended up being like four four and a quarter or something like that. Yeah, it was a huge. That was a big head fish, but the it was so malnourished. The the body of it was so skinny. But it was a still, I mean, it was a huge fish, but I wish, you know, it, it was a four or five pound fish with a 10 pound head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That had, you know, I caught one that was nine one at Jordan the year before, excuse me, but that head on yours that you caught over there was way bigger than that nine one <laughs> way bigger. Like, you know, that was a pre-spawn fish and, and she was fat. Um, right. but the head on the one that you caught, I mean, it was way, way bigger than that one. So it's interesting to me, you know, you look at the size of fish sometimes and, and how they're built. And I've got another picture of, of one that was similar to yours that I caught out of a different pond. And, um, you know, I think those fish in those smaller bodies of water just get to a certain size and they just, they can't find enough forage to, keep growing and keep their bodies filled out uh so i don't i'd say that fish that you caught probably is not still living i'd say just from oh, there's no way you caught it um but yeah i've been back over there a couple of times i think i caught like a maybe a 20 inch pickerel or jackfish yeah. whichever one you want to call it and uh but I, I when i caught that one i've never had a fish stink so bad as that fish did I mean, it smelled terrible, and I've caught jackfish out of there before that I've, I haven't noticed it. I'm not going to say they didn't smell, but I never noticed it. But that one, whew, man, that dude was rough. I came home, and my wife was like, oh, my God, what does that smell? And I didn't even bring it in the kayak. Like, I was holding the – I caught it on a spinnerbait, and I was holding the spinnerbait out off of the kayak, and I was shaking him to get him off because I could tell it stunk so bad. And even with me only touching the spinnerbait, this, I mean, I smelled because it was all slimy and, and whatever, but. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if it ate like a, like one of those snakes that have the musk on it or something like that. I don't know. I've never smelled a fish that smelled as bad as that. That's crazy. I hear you, man. But. Yeah, so um, I wanted to get your opinion on this uh, since it somewhat got brought up here. Um, which is more important whenever, whenever you're uh, to you as an individual, uh, whenever you're bragging about a fish that you caught? Is it the length or the weight? Um, for me, I'm going to go with weight because that's what I grew up. I mean, that's how... I didn't measure fish until I got in kayak fishing a few years ago. And so to me in my head, it still 
weight. Um, now, the more and more I get involved in the kayak side of it, um, I do think the length is a better, no pun intended, but it's a better measurement of the fish than the weight because that weight can vary. So I think, you know, the length is, I want to say a more accurate way to judge the fish, if that makes sense. Like I think if you catch a 22 inch fish, if you catch them in the summertime, you know, that fish can be like yours at four or five pounds. But if you catch it pre-spawn, maybe it's seven or eight pounds. You know, I think those fish vary so much in the weight that probably the length is the more accurate way to measure how good the fish is. But to me, just because I grew up in the boat world and, you know, the whole measuring the fish on the boards is, you know, still relatively new to me. Uh, but I do like uh, the conversion chart, and uh, I can't remember. Uh, oh, it's on now. I think Dwayne made it part of Tourney X, where you can uh, you can see the conversion on what the average weight would be for a 21 inch fish. You know, I think that's something that in the kayak world we need to utilize that more to to get the rest of the bass world kind of attuned to what what these guys are doing in some of these tournaments uh you know you go and you catch 100 inches you know you get a 100 inch bag on five fish i mean that that probably i don't have the the scale right in front of me but 100 inch you know that probably equates to i would say a 30 pound bag um something like that Maybe, maybe not quite that much, but, you know, I think that's something that we need to utilize more. So people be, you know, you can compare what kayak side is doing versus what the boat side is doing. Uh, because now, even when you hear people say we had a two day total of 190 inches, that doesn't equate out to what people are thinking on these, you know, four day elite tournament and they're catching, they're busting a hundred pounds in four days. Well, if you if you have two hundred inches in two days, you just did the same thing in 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 two days. You know, your your one day totals are gonna are probably pretty equal to that. So, uh, to answer your question, I'm gonna say measuring is it better? But to me, it's I still would go by pounds. So I'm a weight guy. Um, I am very much a weight guy. Um, and I've gone back and forth with a few, few people on this shout out to, uh, Armando from Bass and, uh, Bass Kayak and Beers. Um, we, uh, we've, we've gone back and forth with about it at least once, but, uh, cause he's very much a length guy. Um, and I think that's because he started bass fishing in a kayak. Right. Um, but so like whenever I think of like measuring fish as length, I go back to like whenever whenever I was keeping aquariums, there was the rule that it was like you need one inch of fish per gallon. And I read a book about how horrible that that was, like how horrible of an idea that was, because that only works if you're using one inch fish. Um, so if, if you've got a 10 inch fish, 
that is not the same as 10 one inch fish because it's it's 10 times longer 10 times wider and 10 times taller most of the time so it ends up being 100 times bigger than that one inch fish so a 10 gallon aquarium is nowhere near big enough for a 10 inch fish Uh, whenever i think of somebody saying you know a 12 inch fish or 24 inch fish you know that 24 inch fish is not two times bigger than that 12 inch fish oh no that's Um, 10 times bigger and so it 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 hurts me to go and say well you know i caught a 16 today yeah um unless i'm talking about a 16 pound bass and (laughs) it's not gonna hurt me at all to say it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah the uh that that's always bugged me and now that there's you know there's I, I really like the uh, I, I really like the layout of this native tournament that's 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 showing up um, with the exception of the MLF style um, no limit um, bag because if you catch you know if you catch two 24 inch fish um, and and I catch, you know, I, I catch four 12 inch fish, you know, or let's yeah. say five 12 inch fish so that it's a bigger, bigger bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you caught the more impressive bag. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like the no limit stuff. I, I we fished that, uh, me and a couple <clears throat> local guys went over and fished that. Uh, first pilot one, which was either late November or early December last year with Queen City. And uh, we fished High Rock Lake. And the the only thing I will say about the, the MLF side of it where, you know, you just keep, you can catch as many fish as you want, that there is a 14-inch minimum on that. So that's one thing they put in there just to keep from, you know, the judges being overwhelmed with the number of fish. So even a 14 inch fish, I mean, that's a decent sized fish. Right. I don't think it would probably quite be two pounds, but you know, the one pound little 12 inch fish, not going to do you any good. And, and, uh, and and the, you know, thousand dollar big fish an hour is incentive to go after the big fish and catch a whole bunch of little fish. Um, so, um, so I, I, I like their format. I just, I, I, I will always disagree with the, the no limit side of things whenever you're doing it by inches instead of by weight. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but I think it's a, I think it's a good twist on what everybody else is doing. I like the, I like the payout per hour on the big bass. And then I'm not opposed to the MLF side of it. I enjoy watching those guys, uh, fish. Uh, now that, excuse me, the first year, I think their limit was one pound. I didn't really care for that, uh, watching right. some of those tournaments. From a weight side of things, because yeah. if somebody catches a seven pound fish, you know, that is seven pounds bigger than a one, or seven times bigger than a one pound fish instead right. of just two times bigger as it would yeah, be. You know, I, I get I get what you're saying on that. Like, I, I can see that as far as the weights and the measurements, you know, kind of you can have a different view on that. But, uh, but yeah, I like it. I like it that there's a few options out there. Uh, 
you know, as far as national trails and local trails. And luckily we're in a spot where we get, a, you know, some short drives to a couple of the national events. So I'm really kind of getting excited to see the schedules come out for next year um, for the kayak side. I know, uh, you know, there's probably going to be some, uh, some changes and, and hopefully there's going to be some that are, that are still going to be pretty close to us. Uh, so I'm looking forward to some of those things starting to come out and hopefully uh, Bass keeps improving on what they're doing on the national side of it. And hopefully the native thing sticks around. I think they've gotten pretty good traction um, on all the tournaments that they've done. I feel like the numbers have been there and I think those guys are pretty excited about where that's heading. So be interesting to see where, what that does and, and where that goes. For sure. Well, man, let's get into, you know, our, our typical questions that we always ask everybody. Sure. Um, what fishing story or memory means the most to you? Um, I'm probably going to, I'm going to go with probably two different instances. The first one, just kind of those, what I was talking about earlier, going to uh, Lake Barkley and, and Kentucky Lake with my dad, um, you know, when I was little, uh, those, those days and those trips are always going to be right there uh, at the top. Um, and then the, <clears throat> another one, I was probably 12 or 13, somewhere around there, 13, 14. I uh, started working for one of my neighbors up the street was uh, he had a plumbing business and he did uh, commercial plumbing for uh, commercial buildings. And he did the groundwork and uh you know, the install. So I would work for him all summer. At the end of the summer, he would take us to Panama City in the Gulf of Mexico, and we'd go on a deep sea fishing trip at the end of the summer. So the first year, uh, the first year we went down there, my dad went too, and we went about 60 miles out in the Gulf of Mexico and stayed overnight got up the next morning and we were, they had put us on top of the shipwreck, which was, I want to say we were probably in like a hundred feet of water, something like that. And we were dropping down big, huge jigs. I mean, they were probably, the jigs were like a foot, um, you know, a foot long and you would drop them down on the shipwreck and then you would just pull up on them as hard as you could. Well, it didn't take too many pulls and, dude we were catching amberjack grouper i mean as fast as you could reel them in and i don't know it, probably we sat there for an hour and a half maybe two hours and filled up all the coolers on the boat um <clears throat> and we, we were still catching them and letting some of them go and then my boss hooked into a shark <clears throat> so he fought this shark for like four hours and we had to follow him around to keep from uh, snapping the line. And he finally got the shark in. It was like, uh, I want to say like seven foot long, 200 something pounds. It was decent size. You know, it was a big, big fish. Ended up getting it off and go back to the shipwreck and nothing. 
all of those fish that we had been on all morning where, you know, that, that bite was gone, but just this sheer number and looking down over the side of the boat and you could see way down in the water and reeling those fish up. I mean, that's something that's always stuck with me. So I say those two things. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I've shared this story before, but it was, um, taking my nephew fishing for the first time he got introduced to uh to bass fishing through um through a like nature show that he was watching and he wanted to go fishing so me being the fisherman in the family everybody asked me if i would i would take him and they've got a uh um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have a have a little place up on on high rock lake we went and just kind of set him up with a with a little zebco and fished off the dock there and he uh he went and took a nap um right as soon as i got there and i i kind of went and scouted to see where they were what depth they were at and everything so that i could make it as fun as possible for him he ended up uh catching a fish on his first cast and um and uh it was like five fish in 15 minutes on five casts and he was done he was ready to go play but he was ready to go fishing the next morning and um so that was that was awesome yeah um, that is cool i'll never forget um you know him just him being so like so excited and bewildered and and everything so um here pretty soon i'm going to be taking henry for the first time so that's going to be awesome too yeah Oh yeah. And that's some of the, you know, I went back to when I was a kid. Um, but you know, you could just as easily put in there, um, you know, going with, you know, taking my kids too, because, you know, those are something that they'll always remember. And, and me too, there's some pictures of, of my daughter and catching bluegill and stuff and she's holding her hand up and she's got the fish, you know, beside her hand and she's like, ah, she's just got her mouth wide open. And, um, you know, same with, uh, Ryder and Mason, you know, they, they both love to, to go catch some fish. So yeah, those are, those are good times when we were little and then when our kids are little. So I like both of those. Absolutely. Um, and whenever you're out fishing with somebody, what are you typically talking about? Um, it really just depends on the, you know, it depends on who it is uh, and just try to find some common ground with who you're out there with. And, uh, you know, I typically, I guess we, we talk about fishing. I would say, you know, if I'm out there fishing, that's probably what we're talking about. But then at the same time, you know, if it's somebody new that I haven't been fishing with before, you know, try to get to know them a little bit better. Uh, uh, and just, you know, kind of whatever comes up. I mean, I'm always game for some sports conversations, uh, you know, work, life, faith, uh, you know, just kind of whatever comes up. I'm, I'm pretty much open book. I like to talk about it all. You're a, uh, you're a pretty good salesman for the, uh, the local tournament trails too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that too, because anytime that I'm out there, uh, especially if I see people fishing in kayaks, um, just because I think the more people that get involved with that, I think it's just going to keep growing the tournament side of it, which in turn is going to keep growing, 
you know, the recreation side of it too, and just get more people into that side of it. And, you know, with the price of bass boats now, I mean, you know, I had a bass boat before, but it was an old beat up, you know, cheap bass boat. Like I don't, you can't, I can't go spend a hundred thousand dollars on these new boats now, but you know what? I can spend three or 4,000 and I can, I can go and I can spend 1500 on a nice kayak. And then I can add a $300 this or a $400 that, and just keep building the rig that, you know, that I want to have and, and something that's competitive. And so that's a lot more feasible, I think, for most people now than to try to get into the tournament boat side of it um, or even the recreation side of it, even used boats. Um, you know, you're, you're going to pay 15, 20,000 for a decent used rig. So to me, it's just, it just makes a lot more sense to go the kayak route. And so when I see somebody out there, I always try to, you know, tell them about the local trails and uh, invite them out and, you know, who knows what may happen, right? Yeah. Uh, they may get just interested enough to end up being the chaplain for there the you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man. Well, um, let's, uh, let's, let's jump into uh, what's your favorite. We'll kind of go back and forth and, and I'll share my favorite too. Um, and let's, let's jump into that right after this. Atollis, based out of Charleston, South Carolina, is an eyewear accessory and gear company focused on enhancing your time on the water. Their floating sunglass retainers are the most technically advanced around. Over five years of engineering, testing, and exhaustive feedback from paddlers, anglers, and watermen have resulted in a patented design in a class of its own. They're incredibly light and comfortable, built for durability, sport a sleek, minimal design, float virtually all brands and models of sunglasses, and they're back for life. So if you break them, Atollis will replace them. No questions asked. Whether you're fishing, kayaking, or boating, Atollis will save your shades from the dream. Head on over to atollas.co to check out their gear and use promo code FAITHINFISH15, that's FAITH, the letter N, FISH, the number one, five, at checkout to save 15% on your order. So what is your favorite scripture? Well, I grew up playing football and uh, luckily all the coaches that I had would uh, lead us in prayer before the game. And it was always the Lord's prayer. So Matthew 6, 9 is, is probably my favorite scripture just because of that. Um, so, you know, it's one thing that, we try to do around the dinner table on occasion. We don't say that that prayer every time, but there was um, a while that on Sunday night, that's what we, we would say that prayer. That would be our prayer for, for Sunday night dinner um, at our kitchen table. And uh, I think it's, you know, it shows us how to pray and uh, it's a good example. And it just always goes back for me to right before you're playing a football game, which I mean, that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, quick shout out. If you are someone who is not super comfortable praying or want to learn how to how to pray, um, the book Before Amen by Max Licato is absolutely phenomenal, and I highly recommend it. 
Um, he's got this thing called a pocket prayer um, that kind of guides you through the um, through the like a, a really quick, easy prayer that um, kind of is based off of the the Lord's prayer. Um, uh, but it was it's if I'm not mistaken, it's God, you are good. Um, let see. You are good. I need help. So are they. Thank you. Amen. Um, but and then kind of expand on on each one of those. Tell them why he's good. Tell them why you need help. Tell them why they need help. And then tell them what you're thankful for. Um, so that a uh, phenomenal book. Um, and I'll go ahead and share share my favorite scripture as well. It's uh, I'm going to Philippians for mine. Philippians four six and seven. Um, Basically, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it memorized, but um, I've got it memorized, in it, but I don't have it like I, all the uh, all the different translations yeah, uh, uh, jumbled up together. But it's uh, don't be uh, don't be worried about anything or don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything um, uh, with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will uh, will be granted to you um, that basically you know that doesn't promise that you'll get what you want it doesn't promise that you'll um, you'll uh, your prayer will be answered uh, but what it does say is you know if you can stop worrying about everything and trust God to handle it that's where that peace comes from so um, I got uh, I was introduced to that verse whenever I found out that my family was moving and I was pretty upset about it. And I was, I was 15 years old and just, uh, just accepted Christ, just finally started getting to the point where I felt like I belonged somewhere. And then I got up and moved. So, um, but uh, my youth pastor's husband sat me down and said, you know, this, um, this scripture seems like it would be something you get a lot out of right now. And so that one's always stuck with me. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll go to the next one on, on favorite Bible story. And I would have to say, you know, from teaching Sunday school and just seeing that on the kids faces that, that David and the lion's den and him having, the, you know, the faith to go in and, uh, and face the lions. And, and when I, when you tell that story to, um, you know, school age elementary kids and you see uh, kind of some of the light bulbs and stuff go off in their head. Um, you know, that really over the past 10 years has become one of my favorites um, is that. So that's a pretty cool one for me. Absolutely. For me, it, it's really a moving target. Like it's it's a new one every time. But um, I kind of go to uh, that it that I always kind of go back to is, is the story of Nehemiah um, where he's, you know, he's the, the taste tester for the King. Like he, like he gets to, he gets to taste the wine and stuff before the King does to make sure it's not poison. Um, and he, you know, he, he's upset. He, he hears about how his, 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 uh, his homeland has fallen and uh, he kind of, asked the king for permission to go and rebuild the the walls of jerusalem and he gets sent back to to rebuild the walls and it's that story of 
um, you know, his hardships with that and his successes with that and how, you know, he's having to, he's having stuff from inside the, the kingdom. He's, he's, he's like gone back and he's leading this group of, of, of anybody but Mason workers building this wall and every night somebody coming and tearing it down. And this, this story of, of how, you know, he, he became this leader and, and everything. It's really, really awesome, powerful story. And that one's kind of, that was kind of my go-to most of the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. There's so many in there that are good. You know, you could, you could go with any of the, of the 10. So I'm going to throw it back to you. What about your favorite fish? All right. So to we're going to start with favorite fish to catch. So in the salt water, I'm saying big blue fish. And in the fresh water, I'm saying carp. Oh, carp. Hmm. I, and okay. if you had asked me this question, you know, two years ago, there's no way I would have said carp. No way. But I've started chasing carp in a kayak. I haven't hit the the 30 pound mark, but I've hit over 20. And oh. man, that it is a fun bite. It's it, it's a weird bite because, you know, it there are times where it feels like you don't have anything on at all. And then they just have this this sudden burst of energy. They're peel and drag. It's like a saltwater right. fish. And then it like it stops for a second. And it, it has that it's that back and forth. And um yeah, it's it's a it's a whole lot of fun, man. What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna say um if we're gonna do a salt and a fresh at freshwater, I'm gonna have to say bass. And I, I don't really care if it's large mouth or small mouth. I like them all spotted bass. It doesn't matter to me. And then if we're going to go with a saltwater one, too. Uh, I tell you, probably the, the most fun, and it, it kind of goes along with what you said on bluefish, but Spanish mackerel, I mean, we've had some days where you're reeling them in as fast as you can put the spoons back out there and that's usually what we're catching them on are spoons and as fast as you're putting the spoons back out there you're reeling them you're reeling it back in with with a spanish on there so that's that's pretty good pretty good for me anyway that's mm -hmm. i like the i like the bigger fish too but the spanish mackerel just seems to be a lot of action all day on this absolutely all right man what about your favorite fish to fish for then well, I think to fish for, I'm going to have to go with the largemouth. I mean, just trying to figure that out. It's more of a chess game than than anything else, I, you know, because you can go to a body of water, you know where they should be at. And sometimes they're there, but if they're there, how can you get them to bite? You know, or they, they should be here, but they're not there. So then you got to find out where they're where they are at. And again, figure out what they're going to bite for that day. And some days you go out there and you don't, you don't catch anything. And, you know, that's okay too. They, they beat you that day. Uh, but then the next day, you know, the next time you go, you, you want to try to beat them. Uh, so I think that's where the tournament side comes into it too, because it's a, it's a, it's a chess game between you and the bass, but then it also is, chess game between you and the other anglers who are trying to figure out the bass as well and there's so many different aspects to that that you know it's really intriguing to to try to do that not only to beat the fish but then to beat the next guy as well 
Absolutely, man. Yeah, for me, it's also the largemouth bass because um, yeah, it's that puzzle. Got to yeah. got to figure it out, and that's as that's that's what keeps me hooked. Yeah. What's your favorite fish to eat? So to eat, I'm I'm gonna have to say trigger fish. So trigger fish as a as a bottom fish uh, for anybody that doesn't know. So uh, usually it's gonna be in a little bit deeper water and, and holes offshore. And to me, it's it's the best fish to eat. Uh, it's right. I, like I love crappie too. So it it's between those two. Um, you know, both of those are, are kind of my top one. What about for you? Cobia. Yeah, cobia is good too. Um, I mean, triggerfish is phenomenal, but, yeah. but cobia is is the one for me. Uh, yeah, man. What about your favorite fishing snack? Anything that has little Debbie on it. Yeah. Uh, you can take your pick. If she makes it, I like it. That's if, awesome. if you're gonna if you're gonna make me pick one i'm gonna have to go with the oatmeal pie just because of the durability it holds up a little bit better than some of the other ones <laughs> that's awesome we had a uh, jimmy houston on and that was his favorite was the the white snack cakes yeah he said i've been trying to get sponsored by little debbie but they'd have to change the name to big deborah yeah that's right yeah so i mean you know that's that's one of those things that, and that go, kind of goes back to when i was a kid too because you know, and this is for anybody that's listening. If you're taking kids, you want to try to make it as fun as experience as you can. And snacks and sodas always are at the top of the list when you're going fishing with kids because you may you may go out there and not have the best day, but if they go and they get to have some snacks and they get to be on a boat or a kayak or on the bank and having a good time and and having some good eats, then they're going to love it whether they catch you know, 10 fish or no fish, and they'll be looking forward to it the next time. And that's why, you know, it's little, it's, it's any of those little Debbie's because my dad, that's, that's what he would do. He would go and we would get some oatmeal cream pies and uh, he liked Diet Coke. That's all we ever had. So it was oatmeal cream pies and Diet Cokes and, uh, and we'd go have a big time. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, it's crunchy Cheetos. Um, like just the, like, individual size bags because you can just pop them open and you don't have to get your fingers messy or anything. Just, just pour them in yeah. all about that crunch, man. Yep. So what about body of water? Well, you know, this it's a uh, Lake Crabtree here in Raleigh. Um, the, uh, the lake I learned on uh, for kayak fishing no longer exists. Um, so I, I've, cut my teeth on uh, on Tolls Mill Pond in Deep Run, North Carolina, and Hurricane Matthew destroyed it. Hmm. Uh, it blew out the dam, and it was, um, you know, it had just gotten back to being a decent fishery after Floyd did the same thing, and then this, uh, they just weren't able to get it, get it rebuilt, and then it's a good right. thing they didn't, because Florence would have done it right after, um, just a couple years after Matthew, so um, that area has had 300 year floods in in 20 years yeah five years something like that so yeah matthew yeah matthew was no good uh where my shop is 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 close to uh where middle creek comes through 
And when Matthew came through, it flooded all down in there. I mean, the, our shop was underwater. And so it, it was, that was a lot of rain this area got when Matthew came through. I mean, a lot of rain. Yeah, so I was working at the church at the time, and the church was on the other side of the Neuse River. And it was, mm -hmm. it was a long time before I was able to get back over there because all the bridges yeah. were gone. Yep. It was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy time. What, what do we got after? What's your, what's your favorite body of water to fish? Oh, yeah. So mine, I'd have to say, now I'd have to say Jordan. I like Jordan. Um, I like Sharon Harris, too. But it's I, I tell you what, any any body of water that gives me a nine pounder automatically jumps yeah. to the top. <laughs> yeah, so Jordan, I, I did get that big one, and I, I've gotten several nice fish off of Jordan. Now I, I will say that I don't normally catch a lot of numbers at Jordan, but I do catch more there than than at Harris. Um, Harris usually, if you catch one, or for me anyway, it's going to be a three or four or five pounder. I don't usually catch small fish at Harris, but I don't catch a lot. And Jordan, I usually catch decent fish too, um, but just a few more numbers. But all these lakes around here, I've had pretty good luck. I like McIntosh. Um, uh, that's been pretty hot lately. I haven't fished it this year, but last year I, I did pretty well there. Um, and I've enjoyed going and doing these these Hobies and seeing some of these lakes that I've I never would have went to. I never would have went to Toledo Bend or uh, Santee's not that far away. I'm, I might have went there, but when you're 15 minutes from Jordan and, and Harris, not a whole lot of reason, you know, to go to these new ones, but I'm, I'm glad I started kind of venturing out some because I definitely, in the Susquehanna, I mean, that, that was um, pretty intriguing to see how wide that river is and, and just coming through those mountains like it does and the small mouth that are in there and just seeing the number of people that were up there to, to, you know, fish that tournament. It was a, it was a pretty good time. Yeah. What do we got next on there? We got lure. Is that the next one? Favorite lure. Favorite lure. Um, I'm going to, probably go with two of them if i have to say one i'm going to probably be throwing a spinner bait more than anything else i, I like the spinner bait and um i don't know is it is like the one you use the most is that your favorite That's a good <laughs> question right i mean yeah. i like throwing a spinner bait but sometimes i'll throw a shaky head more than that i don't really necessarily like the shaky head more than the spinner bait but I may throw it more. So does that make it your favorite because you throw it more or you just have to, you have to throw it because you can't catch them on the spinner bait. So <laughs> I still stick with spinner bait, but shaky heads up there. And then uh, jackhammer or really, I, I personally, I like thunder cricket better than the jackhammer and everybody will call me crazy. Uh, besides Dave Hart, I think he likes thunder cricket better than jackhammer too. But um that's what I call that nine one on was a thunder cricket. And I've got several different uh, colors of that in the tackle box. And I, I've got some jackhammers in there too. I like those, but I, you know, I like crankbaits. Uh, but if I had to pick one, definitely spinnerbait. What about you? Um, so in terms of confidence lures, you know, I, I caught my PB on a Tokyo rig. Um, 
but in terms of just favorite, you know, the one that's I've always got tied on no matter what time of year it is, whether it makes sense or not, one that I, I always feel confident in and the one that's just the most fun to throw for me will always be the square bill. Um, I love throwing a square bill crankbait. Yeah. You can't hardly beat that either. I like those two. I was going to throw that little Fritz side crankbait in there. That's what I was I was thinking that too. So I, I like the crankbaits too. I like the power fishing, but I've gotten to where I'll flip that shaky head or, or wacky rig, a Cinco. And uh, some of these grass grass lakes around here too, you know, I've started Texan, Texas rigging a Cinco and, and had some pretty good success on that too. So, you know, I, if I can catch it on whatever, I don't care what it is. Um, what we got next favorite time of the year? What about, what about you? What do you, so uh, for me, I like the pre-spawn, but here lately it's been summer. Um, but just because just because that summer cranking bite is really, really good. Yeah, I was torn between pre-spawn and fall just because that top water gets going pretty good in the fall. But if I had to pick one, I, I'm going to say pre-spawn. I, I think I can, I'm able to find them a little bit easier in pre-spawn. But I do like that topwater fall bite as well. So awesome. Well, man, um, it has it's been a good one. I'm I'm not going to say thank you yet because you're going to be on the backside with me. But uh, did you want to shout out any anybody before we uh, before we move on to the closing out? No, man. You can go ahead and close it down. You know, just. Uh, Appreciate you having me on, uh, you know, good opportunity for me to come on here and talk some fishing every week. So I enjoy it and, uh, you know, appreciate you asking me to do it and uh, look forward to, to uh, cranking some of these out and having a good time. Yeah, man. All right. Well, you have a great one and uh, let's, let's right after this, we'll be back. Get Outdoors Pedal and Paddle in Greensboro, North Carolina offers a wide range of products and services designed to help protect the environment and enhance the time people spend enjoying the outdoors. With an expansive year-round inventory of kayaks, sups, bikes, kayak fishing accessories, paddling clothing, biking accessories, and more, Get Outdoors has established itself as one of the top paddle sports and biking shops in the southeast. They also offer a wide range of kayak safety and technique courses to get you comfortable in your new boat. They'll even get it rigged up for you. Stop by the shop in Greensboro, North Carolina, or check them out at shopgetoutdoors.com. With 30 years of experience of handcrafting lures under his belt, Mr. B of Mr. B Lure Company is making high quality spinner baits, buzz baits, jigs, underspins, swim blades, and more right here in the U.S. All of his skirts are hand tied and all of his baits feature a baked on powder paint, all metal components, and only owner and gamagatsu hooks. All of his baits come in a variety of colors and if you purchase a bait in the battle shad color, 30% of the proceeds go to the Wounded Warrior Project. To see the quality for yourself, go to MrBLureCompany.com, that's MRBLureCompany.com, to place your order and use promo code FAITH, the letter N, FISH, the letter N, P-O-D, 1X10 at checkout to save 10% on your first order.
Robert, did you have any any uh, thing anything to add before we before we close out, man? No, man. Just just uh, had a good time. Uh, you know, going back over some stuff from fishing and faith, and uh, that's really about it, man. I hope everybody out there has a good week this week, and uh, you know, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Absolutely. Well. Um, as always, Robert's links are going to be in the All Things Faith and Fishing link. So go ahead, click that, check out all of his uh, YouTube videos and, and his content on Instagram. That's going to do it for this episode. Y'all take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Fishing podcast. Faith and Fishing is produced and hosted by me, Cam Steele, and is sponsored by Jade's Jigs, Get Outdoors Pedal and Paddle, Savior Outdoors, Atollis, and Mr. B Lure Company. Be sure to give us a rating and a review and to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to do it for this episode. Y'all take care and God bless. <laughs>